We're going to start a series. Let me fix this real quick. Uh, called Live No Lies. Now, Seth came to me back when we were deciding, okay, should we do separate series? Should we be together? What should we do during the month of January? And he was talking about some messages that he had heard uh, based off of a book by John Mark Comer, Live No Lies. And so I said, okay, you know, talks to me a little bit about it. So we're like, let's kind of go through this. And so what we're going to do through the month of January is that in his book, he has three enemies of the soul, the devil, the flesh, and the world. And so I have a little graph right here that you can see. I tried to draw it to just... You know, it's the best I could do with the arrows and stuff on, on Google Slides. But, but this is what we kind of want to walk through. Uh, and, and Seth is going to have a little bit of more knowledge because he's heard some of these talks. Um, uh, and so I'm kind of coming into this trying to get my head around it as well. But, but these are the three enemies that we're going to be looking at. And that the devil, this first week, we're going to look at the devil. And his primary kind of idea is to feed lies into you. And so really what, what I want to set in this groundwork at the beginning of this series is that whether you want to believe it or not, there is an enemy out to get you. There's an enemy in this world that we call Satan or the devil that's battling for your heart to rip you away from this relationship with Jesus. And so what we want to look at is in, in a second, we'll get to John chapter 8. We're going to look at this passage to help you understand that there's a reality of a real enemy fighting for your heart. He wants to do everything he can to push you away from Jesus. And I think sometimes we don't always get the right idea of who this guy is. You might look at movies and, and you might see uh, a, kind of this red person with horns and a pitchfork and that's who we think the devil is. Or, or maybe you go to the other extreme and it's this you know, really scary dude that, that we don't even want to look at. And, and I don't think we always get the right idea of who, who this guy really is. And so I want to just talk in a, these conversations about spiritual warfare, if you just want to say that, or, or just the battle that's going on for our hearts, that there is a real enemy. And Jesus speaks about the real enemy in John chapter 8. I want to look at what he has to say uh, when it comes to that. And so as we jump into it, um, you can turn there while I'm, while I'm telling the story if you want. But growing up, and I may have told this story. I never know what stories I tell anymore, so I'm just hoping I haven't told this one. But if I did, you'll just have to listen. But when I was growing up, uh, in the, we lived in this little place called Conneaut, Ohio. It's in the very corner of Ohio, Ohio right up on Lake Erie. It's about 20 minutes from Erie, um, Pennsylvania. And so I grew up there. My dad was a pastor there for about five years. And so we had this house that when you went down the steps... There was kind of this full basement downstairs, and if you went right to the left of these steps was our room. And so what my dad would do, at this point I didn't know it was my dad, but what he would always say before we would go downstairs, because there was literally like one window down there because it was a basement, and so there was barely any light that came down unless you had the lights on. He would always tell us, watch out for the squirrel. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Watch out for the squirrel. And so... This went on forever. So we'd go downstairs, and I'd go in my room. Me and my brother shared a room for about, it was almost 18 years. Um, but he was in my room, and we're, we're, we're laying uh, him in his bed, mine in my bed. And all of a sudden, I start hearing this, like, 
kind of like scratching on the door. I had no idea what was going on. And I'm like, I wonder if this is what my dad was talking about, the squirrel, so to speak, that was down here. So it would come, and then maybe it would go away for five, five minutes, and then maybe it would come back. And if you don't know much about me, um, probably to this day, I'd still make my brother go out. I'm scared of a lot of things. So I hear this noise. I'm like, there ain't no way I'm going out there. So I keep telling my brother, I want to go to sleep. I don't know what that noise is, but you need to go out there and figure it out. And he, he looks at me and he said, I'm not going out there because I don't know what's out there. So I, it was just this back and forth. And there were some nights where he would, I would think he was going to get up and go out there. And some nights he thought I was going to get up. There was no shot I was going out there. I would try to play him and pretend I was going to get up. I ain't going out there. So I keep perceiving that there's something there. And so he would always just drop this. But my dad was very good. Anything he does when he pulls a prank or, or does something to mess with us, he's never overdoes it. He never like, he spaces it out super well. So it would like happen and then like six months would go by, would forget about this whole thing. And all of a sudden he wouldn't say anything. You just hear this noise on the door one night. And it was like, oh my goodness, it's back. So one night I finally talked my brother into it. At this point, again, I don't know. I can't prove it's my dad. I assume it's my dad, but I can't prove it is. Maybe it is a squirrel. And so I got my brother to go up. And so it makes me laugh because he gets up, he opens the door, and if you went straight out our door to the right, there was like these, I don't know why my parents never updated it, but they were literally Western doors that would flap like this that went into our laundry room. And my dad went in there after he had scratched on the door. And so my brother goes out, it's pitch black, he goes to the right and I just hear this scream as he like sees my dad. My dad scares him and he comes running back in. He shuts the door um, and then he lays down and goes to sleep. And he said, yeah, it was just dad. I'm like, yeah, I heard that. So, um, but, but the, the thing is, it's like, okay, it may have not been a squirrel, but the reality was is there was something that was scratching on our door. There was a reality of something that was there. It wasn't just a random noise. It wasn't like a bush was wrestling up against the side of the house. Like there was somebody that was making that noise and there was a reality of it. And I think sometimes what we, depending on who you talk to, we don't always have a reality that there is somebody out there trying to get us. That there is an enemy that's fighting for our soul. That there's somebody real that is actually trying to tear you apart from Jesus. And so Jesus has some things to say on this. And I want you to get this into your head as, as, as we dive into this. But destruction is the goal of the enemy. He wants to destroy you. Again, we, we hear this idea of the enemy and... and the Bible describes, we're going to look at these, these two verses here in a second, but there's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Like, listen to the way he's described in the words that are used. A, a lion seeking someone to devour. That doesn't sound like somebody that's just trying to, like, you know, trip you up in life and and be like, ah, oh, darn it, I didn't get him this time. Like, he is looking to destroy you. And I, I don't want to put this in your head, and I don't want to talk about the enemy to, like, scare you. And get, But I just want to bring to the forefront that there is an enemy out there that's lying to you, trying to get you to turn your back on Jesus. And so I want to look at John chapter 8. We're going to look at five verses, 42 through 47. 
and show you a little bit about what Jesus has to say about this guy we call the enemy. It says this, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It is because you are unable to do so. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. Since you don't, it proves you aren't God's children. And so you're in the midst of this passage. If you backed all the way up, um, I think it's in verse 12 when it starts, or 20-some. Oh, it's right here. My Bible is open. Uh, Verse 31, I believe, is where they start to have this conversation about who Jesus is. And so he's going through this whole kind of dialogue with the religious leaders, and he gets to this point, and he's helping them try to understand that the reason they aren't listening, the reason they don't say who he truly is, is because of this guy called the devil. And so the first thing you need to realize is Jesus is bringing up, and it might seem obvious, but the sole fact of Jesus mentioning there is an enemy proves that there, there really is an enemy. That like he's not just a figment of our imagination. He's not somebody that maybe some of us believe in, but the others don't. Like Jesus is telling us there is a real person and his name is the devil. Now I just did, um, and it was really cool. Uh, Shannon said she really enjoyed it, but we did in Young Adults right before Christmas. Um, it was a whole series that was looking from the point of view of the enemy and just kind of navigating and seeing how he works in life. And so there's multiple different passages you can look at and and see just how real he is. You can go back to Genesis chapter 3. At the very beginning of time, you see this serpent enter the garden. The enemy gets onto the scene. You go in Job chapter 1 and 2, and he approaches God as he talks about trying to destroy Job's life. And that the only reason Job is going after God is because he's protected him. And the devil says, if you just give me a chance to get at him, I'll turn his back against you. Or you go even Jesus at the beginning of his ministry goes out into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, and then he's tempted by the devil. This is a real guy that's out there. And so you need to know going into this that this is a reality. And then the second thing that he brings up that I think is very interesting because you've got to watch the way the words that are used, the phrases that are used, uh, is then he says, the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. Again, he could have used, Jesus probably could have used any other description to describe this enemy, but he uses a murderer from the beginning. I believe what he's talking about is kind of the murdering of this life that we could have had with Jesus. That this unity, no sin in the picture, like it was at the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. This is how great life was. And then he enters the scene and deceives Eve and Adam. Like he doesn't play by the rules. He he destroyed this. Imagine, like, 
maybe some of you have been in that point when maybe it's at a retreat or maybe it's at an event or maybe it's on a Sunday morning and you just feel like you're so connected spiritually. Like imagine that feeling all the time in life. That's how the garden was. And you would think, well, Satan, why would you try to destroy something like that? Why would you want to rip this glorious unity away? Because he's a murderer. He wants this relationship you have with God to not exist. He wants you to turn your back on God. He wants you to just believe the lies that he's telling you. He's a murderer. And so at the beginning of time, this unity that was so perfect all gets destroyed because he goes to Eve and says, why don't you taste the fruit? God's holding out on you. And how often do we in our lives tempted. Maybe not with an apple. You're not Eve. But he says, God's holding out on you. You should really try this. You should really stab that person's back. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. He's a murderer. And then again, the, the verses that I brought up earlier is also described in John chapter 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Like he's a thief. He's come to kill, again, this murderer, kill, this correlation that Jesus has to say, kill, steal, and destroy. Like I think sometimes we just don't equate the language that we see in the Bible with how brutal this enemy really is. He's coming for your heart. And then again in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, the, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. So we see that this, this enemy is real. He's out to murder us. He's out to destroy us. He's out to kill us. And then finally, as I started to touch on, uh, the last thing I want to touch on that Jesus says is that you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Like the native language of this enemy is lies. You go back to any of these accounts, whether it's with Adam and Eve, whether it's with Job, whether it's with Jesus, all of these times that he's navigating in life are lies. Jesus says there's no truth in him. When he talks, when he navigates, it's lies. And what's difficult about this and what we don't like to admit is that when he lies, it sounds sometimes like truth. You start to hear it and you go, okay, well, it's really not going to be that big of a deal if we push the boundaries in our relationship farther than we probably should. Well, it's probably not going to be a big deal if I just, you know, watch this movie, even though there's kind of some raunchy scenes that I probably shouldn't watch, but it's not going to be a big deal. It's not going to start anything. Oh, it's not going to be a big deal if somebody asks me to go to a party that I know I probably shouldn't. It, it, and we start to get in our head, well, maybe it really isn't that big of a deal. But in all reality, what he wants you to do is if I can feed you just enough that sounds true, you might be able to believe it. 
And I believe in my life, and I've said this multiple times, I believe people that are passionately pursuing Jesus are going to get brutal attacks from the enemy. Because you're the people that are going to cause him the most damage. He doesn't want you to know Jesus. He doesn't want you to follow Jesus. So if you're passionately following Jesus and you're bringing people along with you, he wants to wreck anything that he can in that whole situation. And so you need to know that there is an enemy out there and he's not truthful. He's not truthful. So the question may become, well, what do we do? What do we do? And I think... There's, there's just two basic things that I want to say real quickly. Number one, be alert. Be alert. Be on guard because each and every day there's going to be an enemy that's going to try to feed you lies. He's going to try to destroy you. He's real. He's going after you. He's going after your heart. So you need to be alert and say each and every day, I realize there's an enemy out there and I am going to stand guard for this enemy. I'm going to make sure that I keep my heart ready. I keep my heart um, kind of just alert just in case there's something that comes my way. And the second thing that goes along with being alert is you've got to be grounded in truth. The enemy is full of lies. That's his character. That's who he is. If you don't know truth, you're not going to be able to know what's real and what's not. If he comes to you and throws something your way and you're like, well, I don't really know what God's word has to say on this, so I assume it's probably right, you're probably going to follow it. But those that are grounded in his truth, that's why we, we always hear, read your Bible. It's not so you can just know more about the Bible. It's not so you can just memorize a bunch of these words so that you just say, I can know the whole book of John or I know the whole book of Romans or whatever you want to say. It's not just to read. There's a battle that's brutal, and if we don't know truth, how are we going to know what's real and what's not? We're not. And so we need to know the truth and be grounded in that truth, being alert so when the enemy attacks us, we go, that's not from God. God would not say something like that. God would not navigate like that. That is the enemy, and I'm going to... Uh, fight him and keep him away from me and my heart. So that's what you need to know as we enter in, that the first kind of enemy of our soul is a real person. He's a murderer. He's been a murderer since the beginning. He's the father of lies. And what we need to do if we want to battle this, if we want to kind of push back on this, is we've got to be alert and we've got to be grounded in truth. So as we continue on, you'll start to see more in Sethel. We'll talk the next time we're together, the 22nd, on the next enemy. But, but that's kind of the foundation. And so uh, I close with this. When my grandma used to, my grandma and grandpa used to be um, in ministry up in Tiffin, Ohio. So it's about an hour from here. Some of you may have been up in that area. Um, but we were there one, I think it was New Year's Eve. And all the cousins were there. So there's probably... Uh, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 of us. And then cousin-wise, there's probably just about 15 of us. And so they tell us to all go down in the basement at my grandma's house. That's where we usually hung out because then the parents would play games and talk upstairs. We'd go downstairs with all the cousins. And so uh, they told us to go downstairs and to not come up until somebody came down to get us. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. 
Um, but they would then come down, somebody came down and would ask for one person at a time. And this was really weird. I had no idea what was going on. So we'd come up, um, they'd blindfold us, and then they'd bring us out, and all of the, the parents were sitting around in the living room upstairs. And they would tell us to walk over um, to two people. I can't remember. I think it might have been two of my uncles. And they, were tell, they would tell us to step on this board. And so they did this for every single person that came out. Um, so 15 of us or whatever. And so what they would do is that my two uncles would get down on each side of the board and they would lift it up probably about this high off the ground. Not much higher than that. And they would shake it and they would go back and forth to make it seem like they were rising the board higher than it was. And so they would tell us we're going to raise this board um, and then when they're done, jump off. And so what would happen is they would keep kind of shaking it and navigating it. But when we would go to jump, we were this high off the ground. Like we would just kind of like fall over or it felt higher than it really was. And so it was just, they loved it because all they did is sit there and watch each of us try to, some people kind of understood and were like, well, we're not really raising that high. And so they'd kind of step off. There were some people that thought they were like way up here. And so they were like getting down like this and they would like jump off. And I only saw some of it because depending on when they called you up, you could only see the, the rest that came up. And so, but it was so funny to see them do this to every single person, how each one navigated this situation. But what was crazy about it is in that moment, as we're all standing on that board, we were all believing something that wasn't true. We all thought this board was getting raised super high and that we were going to have to jump off because that's the way they were kind of telling us and communicating. And so then when we actually jumped off, it was only this far off the ground. And I think what's crazy is that in that lie, they weren't fully lying because they did raise the board, but they only raised it about this high. But they made it seem like it was going to be this high. And so in all of that, they were lying, but there might have been some truth in there. And I think that is how the enemy navigates our own life. He's going to throw some things in there that's like, well, that's kind of true. But then when you start to look at it and you're grounded in the words, you're alert, you go, I don't think that's the full truth. The only way you're going to win this battle is if you're following Jesus, passionately pursuing his truth and being alert. This is the first enemy of your soul. And I'm telling you, it's probably one of the most brutal ones that we have to be on guard for.